is up, everyone? Welcome back to First Touch. I am Tyler Brook alongside Nate Nan. Nate, Premier League's back. Uh, I'm sure you're as happy as I am right now. I'm so glad to have everything back in full swing. It is better than I could have imagined. Yeah, uh, it's a little weird today, uh, recording not in the same room for once. Yeah, it's not. It's going to be a, a little interesting of all of us recording remotely for this episode. Obviously, things are a little interesting in COVID times, but yeah, I miss having you around the apartment, man. Uh, where are you recording at right now? Uh, I'm currently in an office in my family's house, making sure no one walks in and bothers us while we're recording. Um, but back in Indianapolis, <laughs> uh, born and raised Hoosier, not the most exciting place compared to Chicago, but you know, I, I can't talk shit about my home. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's a it's a fair city. We we kind of talk about this before. You know, you always are at, drawn to where your roots are from. There's people that are either super proud about it, or they try to distance themselves from it. And either way is fair and fine. It's your own opinion. But I know you're a big Indiana guy, even though you have allegiances to other sports teams in other cities. But you know, uh, I can't say anything bad about Indiana. Every time I go to Indianapolis, the city always treats me pretty well. And uh, yeah, I mean, like, I think property. I think you're allowed to. I think you're allowed to talk shit because, I mean, I always give you crap for being from Pittsburgh, right? So I think the least you can do is talk some smack about Indianapolis. Maybe they just teach people better and raise people uh, people a little bit better in uh, Pittsburgh versus uh, Indianapolis because I'm not going to say anything bad about you. And uh, I know uh, my great city, <laughs> the city of champions, I don't have to talk smack because we have uh, a lot of championships and great things to back up our city. Not to mention all of these sports victories. We got Carnegie Mellon University developing the self-driving uber and we got a lot of great hospitals so not only are we athletic we're smart as hell baby sure sure and whatever whatever else you say the cricket sounds <laughs> <laughs> oh man um pretty exciting show though today nate uh, especially with everything back yeah we got a good episode ahead we're going to be talking a little bit about the premier league return to play some of the matches that we watched this past week. And coming up at the back half of the episode, we got some of the great segments that you guys all like. We're going to be talking about some things that we found around the net, including uh, some transfers that have been confirmed, as well as a creepy statue of Ronaldo that basically keeps me up at night when I'm not thinking about the great city of Pittsburgh, as well <laughs> as um, a little bit of a tie between the soccer, the greater soccer community and uh, the late great uh, Mamba himself, Kobe Bryant. So make sure to stay around uh, for that at the end of the episode. We're going to be closing out with more betting picks from Tyler, as well as the Pub of the Week shout-out. Pub of the Week! I can't wait to go back to pubs, man. It's going to be great. Yeah, um, you get, you probably got a little bit of a taste of that back in uh, Indianapolis, because things are starting to open up there, right? Yeah, things are open up a little bit. Uh, did have a margarita outside the other day. It was glorious, honestly. But, you know, I'll be honest with you. Even though things were open here, I was more focused about making sure uh, my ass was in the on the couch getting ready to watch the Premier League with all the matches going on. How did you uh, celebrate the first day of the uh, return to play with the English Premier League? Uh, I went out to the suburbs of Chicago, was joined by the official First Touch Betting Council, uh, Drew Howard, Freddie Sund, uh, watched the opening matches. What a that first match, man! Uh, Aston Villa Sheffield. What a wild way to start things up. The return of Premier League <laughs> not official until you piss everyone off. How ironic that the first game of the return to play with the EPL was a clear goal with uh, technology not working. Of course, the ever uh, controversial VAR video assisted referee just doing absolutely nothing. Uh, a, a clear goal 
a goalie crossing his own line from being bumped into his man, and we end with a uh, zero-zero draw. Like, how does that happen? I think the thing with the VAR is, isn't it the job of the technology? Like, there's a thing on the official's wrist where if it crosses the line, it starts buzzing. And so what it seems like happened is that did not go off because the players are yelling at the official and he's like, my watch didn't go off. My watch didn't go off. And then VAR just kind of looks at each other like, oh, I mean, his watch didn't go off. Like, what are we supposed to do? And it was just it was a clusterfuck, man. I don't know how else to put it. Like, how do you start the match week like project restart first match? Things aren't working so clearly a goal. And that's the funny thing is watching a player run into his own goalie to push him in for a goal. It's just it's just a shame for Sheffield that that didn't end up counting. Absolutely. It was so bizarre for me because if anyone clear as day with eyes can see that, I don't know if the referee was just trying to confirm what his watch says and go off that. If we're going to just rely on technology, then what are the purposes of the refs actually being on the field? I completely get that there's going to be things that technology is not going to get, but that's exactly why we have human intervention there. It really doesn't make sense to me why they wouldn't just make the judgment call on the field. I know it's the responsibility of the referees on the sidelines with the flags to call those goals, and obviously that didn't happen. To your point, the the VAR system is actually separate than the goal system. They're two independent companies, essentially. The video-assisted referees are real people in boxes making those calls whenever they need to from the on-field referees. For some reason, that wasn't called into... Uh, question after this because the referee's watch didn't go off. And if I'm not mistaken, the company that confirms the goals that happen from the automated system and the balls that are connected to the referee's watches, they said they've never seen the coverage of a ball like that in over 900 games simulated and played through their system, which is a little interesting to me because it's not like there was a lot of coverage on the keeper himself. If you go back and watch the match, it's just one defender knocking into the goalie, and then from there it's a little bit of a cluster between two individuals where the the keeper is scrambling to keep the ball past the line, but definitely steps over that. I just think it's a bit of a BS uh, statement coming from that company to kind of save a little bit of face and appease people. But at the end of the day, no question in my mind, that should have been a goal. Pour one out for Sheffield because things didn't get much better this week after that 3-0 loss to Newcastle. It was weird. It feels like a lot of the big events of the soccer week did happen on that first day of Project Restart. Uh, One of the matches not even being Premier League related with the Coppa Italia final. Yeah, again, what a weird final that was. Ronaldo was very silent on the field. First time in his career, if I'm not mistaken, that he's lost back-to-back finals, right? Correct. First, yeah, with uh, cups on the line, he's lost back-to-back now. We talked about it in the last episode. I thought that Ronaldo had not played well in that semifinal, and then he comes out here, and he doesn't even, he can't even get around guys, it looks like. It's just, is it a conditioning thing? Did he just take it easy during quarantine? Like, what's going on with him? I believe there was that rumor that he bought a private island to quarantine with his family. I don't know if that's true or not, but at the end of the day, he didn't really do much to capitalize on the opportunities that he had. Um, I mean, that's, that's a point for Napoli there to kind of keep him suppressed. And ultimately, Napoli came out on top, even though the game was 0-0. It just kind of relied on to the endurance and the stamina of the keepers. Unfortunately, you have a goalkeeper of Buffon, who is not necessarily in his prime anymore, but still probably 10 times better than any goalkeeper at his age of 42. And it's just unfortunate that uh, you know Juventus took a loss in the way that they did because the goalie could only do so much and 
uh, Ronaldo did not capitalize on anything that was put into his uh, possession. All the credit to Napoli, you know, as a Liverpool fan, I do have quite a bit of respect for them. You know, they always played Liverpool very well. Uh, just a, a very good club. Congrats to them on the Copa Italia final victory. Moving on to a new, I guess, award. I wouldn't really call it that much of an award. Uh, we're going to be giving out oh, trash. Award. You, ha- you have to earn trash of the week. The first winner of this award could not have been more well-deserved for all the years I've watched soccer. I don't think I've ever seen anyone have a worse week than David Luiz with Arsenal. (laughs) Second match of Project Restart for the Premier League, Arsenal versus Man City. Arsenal just gets hit with a ton of injuries right off the bat. David Luiz not in the starting lineup despite, you know, a pretty sizable transfer uh, this offseason. Comes in, immediately gives up an opening goal. About 20 minutes later after coming in, gets a red card in the box for grabbing a guy, forces a penalty, gives up a second goal, sent off. Uh, Giving up two goals and getting sent off with a red card in 20 minutes of play after not even starting, uh, just utter trash. And then to go along with that, you were so bad that the second game of the match week, Arsenal was like, you're not even a sub, Just, just stay home today. Yeah, you have to wonder what's going through the management's mind, considering everything that happened with uh, Louise. I would assume the reason why he didn't start the original match is they were probably trying to rest him for the next game. One of the most sizable transfers that club has had in recent years, and he just has not performed at all this season. He's been more of a burden than a blessing for the Arsenal side. Again, with my own allegiances, I'm not mad to see that, but I know it's one of the greatest fandoms in the Premier League. So that is very unfortunate for all the Arsenal fans out there listening. But at the end of the day, David Luiz is more of a curse than anything right now. He is not being consistent, making sloppy mistakes, and it's inexcusable for him to make the kind of judgment calls that he made that game. He played for less than 20 minutes. He cost that Arsenal side any chance of having victory. Uh, you know, I have no problems with Arsenal. You know, I do respect a lot of the players on that team. But yeah, man, that was... It was laughable. I don't think I've ever seen a worse performance like that, uh, especially from some of the guys that had to get subbed on due to injury. Uh, you know, again, just a wild first day back for the Premier League. Uh, but then, you know, something else we noticed, you know, even one of my betting picks was, you know, there's a lot of draws. Uh, the Leicester-Watford game was a good point on that, you know. It was a 0-0 match until literally the 90th minute. Chilwell gets that 90th minute goal, uh, just a screamer in the top corner. And I'm just sitting here like, yep, better the week's a lock. Feel great. Let's move on. And then in the 93rd minute, Craig Dawson with the equalizer for Watford. Again, it's just a pattern we kind of noticed this week. A lot of draws. Yeah, I think that goes to show just how competitive the Premier League is. And I think it's also kind of interesting to sit here after we had our Premier League preview last week and ultimately look at the recap of what we had. A lot of the calls that we made in our preview, we were trying to think of what team is going to make the most of this pause of play. At the end of the day, it kind of just seemed like we picked up pace where things were left, meaning that the table didn't really shift much around in one week of play. And there has been so many games. A lot of teams are double stacked with their games. And there was a lot of potential for teams like Sheffield to make a move. And unfortunately, they ended up not doing anything. And that's where it's really interesting to see a team like Watford making this draw happen because they're a team, again, sitting at the bottom of the table. We talked a little bit about the momentum coming off that win that they had against Liverpool. And it looks like that momentum didn't die much because they were able to refocus. And I think that 
as I was joking that they're the winners of the Premier League for beating Liverpool, it seems like that was the squad that ended up taking the most uh, advantage from this break. And again, we see a lot of draws happening. Uh, the game that I was looking forward to the most, the Tottenham-Manchester United game, ended up in a draw. And I'm really not surprised to see that. I think Tottenham's record this season has the most draws that it's had probably in the last five-plus years. But again, uh, here we are at the end of the first match week, and there hasn't been a lot of movement in the table. You guys almost blew that, too. I mean, Eric Dyer gave up one penalty and then almost gave up a second, man. Like, just woof. Big woof. You guys almost blew that. Yeah, there's really not much to speak to it other than Eric Dyer has always been a person that is a bit spotty, and, uh, you know, he has a lot of physical skill. He has a lot of technical skill as well. A little bit hot-headed, makes simple mistakes, and that ended up going back to bite us. But it is great seeing Hugo Lloris, the Frenchman in net, back on his pristine prime. Best game that I've seen him play in the Premier League all season, unfortunately. Ended with a draw, but again... Keeps the momentum in the same place it's been, so there's still a lot of exciting competitive matches still left in this Premier League season of who's going to finish in the top five spots. That's absolutely what I've enjoyed the most about Premier League being back. You know, all weekend it felt like, besides a couple 3-0 games, um, just competitive all around. You know, unlike the Bundesliga, where yeah, once again we're seeing Bayern Munich crowned champions of the league. Of course, so much happened this past week. It's definitely worth mentioning. Again, we're not a Premier League podcast. We talk about every angle of soccer from the Americans fans' perspective. It's a little hard for me to be a fan of the Bundesliga because I just don't find it to be competitive. And with that being said, we have to mention the fact that Bayern Munich was crowned champions of this league this past week with their win against Werder. That's eight victories in a row eight times in a row that they've been crowned champions out of the last 20 years they've been the team to win the league the most they blow the majority of other clubs in europe out of the water with the ways they dominate this league and for me i just have a hard time watching it because if i'm not a Bayern munich fan i just feel like i'm wasting my time there's no way that any team i can ever root for has a chance of victory for, for those that follow the Bundesliga, the best way to describe Bayern Munich is the Super Yankees, or the Yankees on steroids, although it's baseball. You know, maybe that's redundant. Uh, 30th German title this year, eight in a row. To put those 30 titles in context, the second most in Germany are nine, and that's Nuremberg. Dortmund's in third with eight. They just blow everyone out of the water as far as titles. And like we said, lately hasn't even been competitive. Uh, we're seeing all these big names on wanting to come to Byron as well, uh, like Leroy Sané. Uh, and I think the biggest thing to point out with that Yankees comparison is the payroll. Their payroll is just grossly inflated to compare to some of these payrolls in the league. Uh, for the 2019-20 season, the average annual spend per player for Bayern Munich was six and a half million euros, give or take. For second and third, Dortmund and Leverkusen combined right around that number. So they are spending more than anyone, far and away. Last place is Paderborn with 334,000 euros average. And that team that you just mentioned, that is a team that is in the Bundesliga, like as in the top table of the Bundesliga. Like they in theory, should be competitive every season with Bayern Munich because they're playing actual matches against them, correct? Yeah, and they're playing with what is that 120th of the average salary. That's ridiculous. What, what In what world does that even seem fair or fun? 
Hey, man, it's just like Major League Baseball. I, I mean, we've seen it time and time again with the Yankees and the Red Sox. You know, these teams with disgustingly high payrolls, there's no salary cap. Going against teams like Oakland, where, you know, they're essentially developing all these young guys, and then as soon as those young guys are in line for a big payday, the Yankees or Red Sox scoop them up. Uh, it That's what kind of like it feels like right now, and then the Bundesliga is having a real problem because of it. I, I think you bring up a good point with the baseball comparison, but let's talk about that a bit further. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Super Yankees spending more money than the Yankees have. And we think in America that it's ridiculous how much money the Yankees are spending. But let's take this comparison a step further. We talked a little bit about my Pittsburgh roots. Let's look at the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah, they spend nothing, and they're a terrible team. And basically, they've been social distancing as fans for the last seven seasons. There's barely anyone in those games. <laughs> you guys are like the Eintracht Frankfurt of you know Major League Baseball. You know, you, you guys do okay sometimes, but then you just don't have the payroll to compete. That goes further to prove the point that I have of how is that fun? Why do I want to watch that? There's no one at Pittsburgh Pirates games for those reasons, other than the diehard loyal fans that love the history of the team and the culture. And that's where I have a hard time enjoying or wanting to even start watching uh, this sport or following that team that I should be following because it's just not competitive at all. I think the other thing to me personally that's really tough is, you know, I want to get into Bundesliga and I'm trying to follow teams, but all the stars outside of Bayern Munich are leaving. You know, we already seen Timo Werner on his way out, you know, Erling Haaland, Jaden Sancho. And then meanwhile, as far as superstars coming into the league, or at least star players, they're going to Bayern. You know, there's already all these rumors surrounding Leroy Sané. So it's just a little frustrating. The good news is at least we have someone we can talk to about this that is a Bundesliga fan in America. Yes, we're going to bring into this conversation one of our friends and a member of the FTFC, Michael Antonio Borelli, otherwise known as Bundesliga Borelli around this household, into the conversation. Great, and here to talk a little bit more about what the problem with Bundesliga is and everything involved into it from an American fan perspective, we have a dear friend and a member of the FTFC, Bundesliga Borelli, here with us today. Thanks for joining, Borelli. Of course. Glad to you know be a part of this. So what we've been discussing so far on today's episode is a little bit of the problem that the Bundesliga is having. And I know you have a lot of strong opinions about this considering your own allegiances and fandoms. And I think you would argue with us to say that you wouldn't see there to be much of a problem with the Bundesliga. Specifically, we're talking more so around the ways that the Bundesliga League is not that competitive. What do you think about that? Well, so I'll start out this season... I thought those issues had kind of come a little bit closed. You know, we had for a majority of the season about five teams fighting for that first place spot, you know, the top four, and it was really exciting. I do believe that there is a bit of an issue money-wise. That's kind of what's hurting a lot of these teams from getting, you know, to be on Bayern's level. Yes, eight championships in a row, I'm not going to say, oh man, that sucks for me, because that's wonderful. But <laughs> Yeah, I think you bring up a good point with the money, and uh, I believe Tyler has some actual data that we can go over, but you, you're you a Bayern Munich fan, yes? Absolutely. What made you a Bayern fan? You know, I, I was talking with my wife about this. I'm not actually sure at what year, but it had to be between 2001 and 2003. I was just had started playing keeper for my club uh, back in Michigan. 
I was looking at pros to kind of get a better understanding of the position since I'd come from being a defender. I landed on Oliver Kahn and Gigi Buffon. I don't know how well you know either of them, but two truly different styles of playing keeper. And I like to say Oliver Kahn was just the most entertaining personality in football at the time. It was kind of a mixture of that. You know, from there, I started following both teams, Juve and Bayern, because I, I idolized both these keepers. After that, going into the culture of each team, learning the Mia San Mia, you know, whole lifestyle, and then other players popping up like Bastian Schweinsteiger, Luca Toni, Robin, Robbery as a whole, um, Mueller, all these players. There's not a day that goes by that I'm not wearing some article of Bayern Munich clothing. I, I'd be very well aware of that, absolutely. <laughs> you, you have a grilling apron that is Bayern Munich, and I respect that. It just looks a little ridiculous if you ask me. <laughs> well, that, you, that was a family or like a relative brought that back from Munich, and it was funny because we were out at dinner celebrating my wife's birthday but also her cousin and his wife's first anniversary. Her other cousin comes in with his wife and they're like, we have a present, but it's not for either of you two. It's for Michael. (laughs) (laughs) Going back to keepers, you say you grew up playing keeper. You know, Byron's current keeper, I know I can't pronounce the name right, Neuer. Manuel Neuer. Neuer. Talking about keepers, you know, we're talking about Neuer. I may not be the biggest Byron fan, but I respect the hell out of that guy. That guy is batshit crazy with how far out he gets out of the box. He was very similar to me where he didn't start out playing keeper. He he was actually more of like a defender when he started playing too. You know, the joke is goalies don't have foot skills. He's fearless. Other keepers have tried to emulate that and they get like beat so much easier he's he's got speed the reason why you got into these teams and the reason why you follow the bundesliga is that you were trying to mimic or at least look up to someone to inspire you within your own system of play and then you fell into the atmosphere and the culture of this league i just kind of want to touch base on that and expand on a little bit further because i think that's something that i'm personally a bit unfamiliar with and i think it's easier for an american to relate to Uh, the English Premier League, just because there isn't that language barrier. Uh, You mentioned earlier about the the My See My. How is that pronounced again? Mia Sam Mia. What exactly is that and what does that mean? It means we are who we are. It's uh, Bayern Munich saying, and it's kind of just the lifestyle of the club. Yeah. Is it like, it, is know. it like that Kesha song? We are who we are. Like, no, no, no. don't, don't ever put Byron and Kesha in the same sentence. <laughs> you know, it took a while. And then uh, when I first kind of moved to Chicago, you're always looking for friends or like a group to feel welcome with and Byron Club here just absolutely took me in they added me to their whatsapp group and you know if you don't show up for one match they text you and they're like where are you at <laughs> so I think that's the beauty of Chicago sports fandom in general I mean I remember moving up here uh, as a Green Bay Packers fan uh, I had to find Will's uh, Northwood Inn that was a great place and then I think soccer fandom especially here I mean, there's pretty much a pub you can go to for, you know, any team affiliation. You know, Nate's got the Atlantic. Uh, You've got Cleo's. I've got AJ Hudson's. Uh, I think it's one of the unique hotbeds for soccer fandom uh, that a lot of cities, I think it's starting to grow in other areas, but especially in Chicago, it's a a great place for it. Absolutely. 
Yeah, and that's the whole purpose of the FTFC is to give one home for all of these people out there that are just looking for a place to enjoy the game of soccer uh, internationally as Americans. Uh, so I just kind of wanted to dig in a little bit further into this league itself. We are who we are is the words of Bayern, and you've kind of accepted and drawn into that part of the culture. What else is going on with this league that makes it exciting for you? Honestly, it's the youth right now. I mean, you see players like uh, Bailey, you see Kai Havertz. Uh, we've actually got a few Americans in this, which makes it yeah. really exciting with Wes McKinney and uh, was it Josh Sargent? Uh, Tyler Adams is in there too, I believe, right? Yeah. Dortmund and Leipzig played yesterday and it was two Americans getting to play for the first time. It's just an awesome scene to see. You know, these Americans are starting to come out. Yeah. And I think that's perfect for just our youth as a whole and hopefully our national team eventually. Now, are you concerned <laughs> with... You know, all these young superstars leaving. I know we're talking about Timo Werner. We're talking about Erling Haaland. He's already getting all these transfer rumors. Uh, you know, are you worried about these uh, other teams that may not be Bayern, you know, losing the, the youth that makes the Bundesliga a bit more interesting? Honestly, the Timo Werner deal, that I think he's going to Chelsea, honestly, in spite of Bayern, because he feels snubbed by them after last season since their whole focus was on Sanye uh, over at City. I think it's actually good for Germany's national team that he's going out there to get just a different playing style and, you know, some experience there. He'll get Pulsic, who's played in Bundesliga, will be able to kind of team up with him pretty well there. Yeah, but I think you but, even admit yourself that it's going to benefit the German national team versus the German Bundesliga league. So what well, benefit does the Bundesliga have from having these talented individuals continuing to leave? That's where I have a problem uh, trying to find allegiance in this league in general, because once you find a player that you enjoy following, I mean, think about it yourself, the way that you mentioned that you, you started getting drawn into this league, you found yeah. talented players, talented individuals. You mentioned Buffon, who's moved over different leagues. And that's well, what's tough is that people aren't making them career players in the Bundesliga unless they're playing for Bayern Munich, unless they're playing for Dortmund, because those are the only teams in the last 15, 20 years to walk away with a championship. So, well, first of all, I, Buffon's a bad example there because he only went to PSG in, when he was going towards the end of his career and Juve was kind of pushing him out. They wanted to bring Chesney as their main keeper, but now he's back at Juve. He was a career Juve, but I know what you're saying here. And, you know, that, that is a worry, but I will say as a whole, you do see a lot of young faces that are going to stay over in the German leagues. And I am seeing a revival. I mean, like I said, for a good majority of the season, there were five teams fighting. Leipzig is going to be bringing in a lot of money off of this deal. And I'm sure they're going to be active this transfer window. Uh, Leverkusen, I mean, the chances they're going to lose Kai Havertz is very strong right now. He's arguably the best German player there is right now, maybe other than Sané. I'm a little frustrated too. I mean, I tried to find a team once Bundesliga started to back up because it was the first major sport to come back. And I was like, you know, I'll pick Dortmund. You know, they got Jurgen Klopp ties, Emery Chan's there, an old Liverpool guy. Uh, and then obviously I was really interested in watching Jaden Sancho and Erling Haaland. But now at Isn't this point, also just because of their uh, their personal saying too. Are you talking about you'll never you'll walk never alone? walk alone? Yeah, yeah. It's a banger. It's a certified <laughs> banger. But yeah, like back to you uh. know Sancho and Holland, like these are amazing players, and 
all anyone talks about isn't really, you know, their performances, although yes, to a degree, like as they happen, but as soon as they have that performance, the next day is like, all right, well, where they're going, where are they going next? Cause they're obviously not staying at Dortmund. And actually I think that's my issue. I've always had with Dortmund. They're always looking to sell off their superstars when they get a good price. They made a bad mistake with Holland. Uh, they made his buyout clause really sh- like small. Everybody knew he was going this summer window. If you didn't see Holland go in this summer window, then you, you need to rethink how you think soccer. Well, let me uh, just stop you there, not to read between the lines with that statement, but you're saying that the mistake that this league made was that they made his buyout clause too small. Are you saying that the, the, the success of the Bundesliga relies on keeping these players captive in their leagues with these outrageous uh, buyout clauses? Are you saying that the only reason why people are going to stay around is because they have the fear of having to spend too much money to leave that club? Like, and that's not a great feeling. If I was a player... Um, no, 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 no. You're, you're mistaking that. I'm just saying with Holland himself, you look at regular buyout clauses of contracts of other players, even in the EPL, even in other players in the Bundesliga, Holland's buyout clause can check me on this. I think it was something stupid, like 30 or 50 mil. Um, Not very much, especially for Real Madrid, who honestly wants to snatch him up. I think that's more on Dortmund than the league itself. Dortmund's had this thing where they're focused on getting back money. So I don't know if you guys knew about this. They actually went into 100 mil debt back during, I think it was 2003, 2004. Bayern actually helped bail them out. I mean, when you win eight in a row, you know, sometimes you just got to help out the little guys, even if the little guys are the ones that finish in like second and third every year. I mean, that was back in 2003, 2004. That was well before our eight-win streak. Fair, but I mean, how many How many did you guys have at that point? What, 15, 20 titles? Okay, yeah. <laughs> but here, I guess that like leads us to like this entire episode. We're just trying to talk about this problem. But I think mo- yeah. looking forward, how does the Bundesliga solve this? How do they find talent, retain talent, and then have these other teams that aren't Bayern try and compete for the title? It comes down to money, really. How well do you guys know about the 51% rule? The 51% rule is that the fans own the team. They own a majority of the team. So this stops any single owner coming in and buying up all the shares and, you know, outright owning the team and then... Like moving them somewhere, something like that kind of moving them or just coming in and pumping all their money and doing whatever they please with the club. Like doing a James Dolan with the Knicks. Whatever's happening with Newcastle right now. Even what's happening with Newcastle right now, they ended up with a uh, 3-0 win over Sheffield. So it's it's seemingly to work. But what the Bundesliga fans love the most is the culture. Also, Bundesliga has arguably the cheapest beer prices and cheapest tickets (laughs) of any league. Oh, uh, sign me up for that. Uh, Maybe I'm a Bundesliga fan now. Shit. I, I think you should be. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that, that's the other thing, too, is you got to do this progressively, but you can't snub the fans because if you snub the fans, then going to just not show up for you. That's what happened with Hoffenheim, where, you know, even their fans ha- and Bayern fans, unfortunately, that, that was a bad day in our uh, history there. But Fans all around the league are making posters calling out the owner of Hoffenheim because he's trying to take over this 51% rule. And, you know, he's a multimillionaire trying to do that. 
you saw, you know, Hansi Flick, you saw players run to the corner and yell at the, their own fans t- to put these banners down, basically calling him a son of a bitch. Um, Not a good look. No. What is he trying to do with the money? Like you said, he's trying to just buy out the majority of the clause, but like what's ex- eventually like his end game with that? Like, is he trying to do something different with Hoffenheim in general that the rest of the league isn't doing? I'm just kind of curious exactly like well, what that's they're just that he, he is trying to buy more players and everything. And I think that's, that's something that needs to be talked about in this league. Like, or is this just more of a people, like, it sounds like you, you mentioned that like the culture and people are really proud about what they're doing. So is it just like a kind of ignorance and pride in a kind of way? Like we like things how they are in a sense. So coming as an American, I think I'm more clear headed on this. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's kind of a pride thing, and you know that's how things used to be. But, but let's be real here: in this day and age in football, you need money, and if anything, you're bringing Hoffenheim back into the picture of German football. Give us your pitch on why someone should be a fan of the Bundesliga, considering that there's been barely any competition at the top of the table. One team has won eight out of the last ten years, which is insane. It's not even like. Eight out of the last ten, it's eight consecutive years in a row. What good does it do me being an outsider just trying to get into the sport and liking of any other team other than Dortmund or Bayern Munich? Like, why should I give this league a chance? Honestly, all across the U.S. there are fan clubs for different leagues. I say just watch a bit because maybe when fans come back too. Uh, but really get into the culture of the league. And you'll see, I mean, yeah, Bayern's been dominant, fine. But also look who's been winning the Pokal. Frankfurt beat Bayern, what, two years ago now? I mean, you see so many of these teams popping up again uh, who have a huge history. Like, you know, there's a lot of different teams in the league that have a great culture. Uh, I mean, you watch Borussia Gladbach, and I mean, that's a team who has absolute history. I mean, that's where so many great players started out. I mean, several other players have gone through there. Red, all right, can we talk about Leipzig real quick? Yeah, absolutely. All right, Nate, I have an, just a huge issue with Red Bull. Well, let's look at this. All right, wait, where did Holland come from? He came from a freaking Red Bull team. Red Bull is popping these teams out, like birthing them faster than can be. <laughs> and you know what? There is... An entire Reddit, there's a whole Twitter feed on this. Things that are older than Leipzig. I mean, we got so, we got the New York Red Bulls. We got Takumi Minamino, uh, you know, the Liverpool guy. He just transferred out of Red Bull Salzburg. Yeah, just, I think yeah. Red Bull is just like full of energy. There's like soccer, more soccer teams. Let's do it. Yeah, it's more like let's make money. They also have an Australian team. But yeah, no, I, I, I have a huge bone to pick with this because, okay, just fuck Red Bull in general, except for with stick to extreme sports, please, because that's where I like you. Um, as far as soccer, talking about another way about getting through this uh, 51% ownership, uh, Red Bull's really doing that. And I will say they have been a proven factor of getting rid of this 51% rule is helpful. I, all right, this sounds terrible, but yes, they they came in or they're in third place right now, and they're 16 points behind Bayern, but they are only six points behind Dortmund. 
it, it seems like a lot of these teams just need an extra push. You got Dortmund with 69, Leipzig 63, Gladbach 62, and then Leverkusen's at 60. Like, yes, you have Bayern at the top, and then you have the next four really kind of fighting one another pretty closely. Well, at any rate, I feel pretty confident in saying that thanks to Bundesliga Borelli, Red Bull will never be a sponsor of the First Touch podcast. Uh, Borelli, <laughs> thanks so much for coming on the pod uh, and yep. being a member, one of the first members of the FTFC. Um, sure, we'll have you on for future episodes as well. Thanks so much, man. Yep, absolutely. You guys have a good one. Thanks again for joining us, Borelli. Just a quick fact check to what we were discussing in regards to the 50% rule. It is actually referred to as the 50 plus 1 rule. And again, that is where the club members must retain 50% of the shares plus 1 of the football organization. That does help thwart commercial investors from making changes to the club. On to a couple of other topics that we mentioned. Let's dive into what we found around the net. So Tyler, there's a couple of things that we definitely need to bring up this week that we found. I think it's worth mentioning one of the top transfers since we have been talking about a lot of what's going on with the Bundesliga, someone that has confirmed their transfer out of this league. Yep. RB Leipzig's Timo Werner is officially heading to Chelsea. We talked about him episode one. You can always go back and listen to that segment there. Uh, But it's so official. He is even decided not to, play in the Champions League so they can use that spot for someone else on the squad. I mean, just an incredible season for Timo Werner with the Bundesliga, you know, 33 appearances, 26 goals, eight assists uh, in eight Champions League matches, four goals, two assists. Uh, The guy's just been a machine all year. So it's no wonder he's heading elsewhere just because, you know, the demand for him is simply too high. Um, Chelsea's getting a phenomenal player. Uh, fits well. Sounds like an eventual replacement for Giroud. The guy is going to be a star in the Premier League. It's going to be a scary Chelsea team. We've talked about it time and time again. We see how they're even being competitive uh, right now with the past match of the week. In terms of what this brings to Leipzig, it brings them a lot of opportunity and money. I don't know what they're going to use with this, but at the end of the day, it's not going to be enough to stay competitive this league, in my point, in my opinion. I just don't know what they're going to be drawn towards. I mean, they're going to definitely need to replace someone. They're probably just going to spend it on youth and try to build up another team. It's going to be a rinse and repeat that we see time and time again, in my opinion. Yeah, it's just a thing that just seems like to be a constant thing in the Bundesliga. We're seeing the stars go out, and we're seeing you know the talent go to Bayern. Uh, moving forward, you sent me something on Instagram this week that gave me nightmares and I had never seen before. This Ronaldo statue, is that the proper word for it? Yeah, it's, I would call it a float. So this was circulating um, in my Instagram feed, and we're going to post a picture of this on our Instagram as well as our Twitter. Make sure you follow us at First Touch Pod and FTFC Pod on those respective platforms. Basically, this thing is nightmare fuel for me. So there was this parade, this carnival of some sorts, in this uh, Italian town uh, by the name of Visaggio. And this float is pure insanity to me. Like, I get that Ronaldo is one of the most celebrated players of our generation. But if you look at this, um, are, are you familiar with the term steampunk? Yes. Yes, I am. 
Yeah, it's kind of like that art style where it's very mechanical, um, a little bit fantasy looking. But it, it, so essentially you have a giant Iron Man. So think of like the Iron Giant movie with Vin Diesel. And it's like a strapping torso looking like a, a silver knight. There's even people around his feet. He's, he's in barefoot too um, as this, which is very confusing to me. But he's essentially like hunched over looking like he's doing a, a, a squat essentially or like having a bar on his back. And you see all of these mechanical gears around him. You see actual humans below wearing these weird red uh, suits and with the word idol just behind him. And then that striking Ronaldo look that we're familiar with, with the glaring uh, eyes that kind of just pierce into you and the perfect suave hair. But it's just so weird, man. It's literally like a, a Iron Giant Ronaldo from a nightmare fantasy. What is up with all these horrifying depictions of Ronaldo as ways to honor him? Like The first thing I thought of was this, with this was the bust of his face that came out a few years ago where it just looked absolutely nothing like him or maybe him if he had just gotten like just clocked in the face. I get the obsession with Ronaldo. He's like one of the greatest players in the world and potentially ever. But man, just sometimes these go way too far, man. Yeah, it's really weird. So one thing to defend this carnival in Versaggio is that it's not uncommon to see famous people. It's known to feature famous lookalikes and popular figures on this float in particular. It's just that this was done so weirdly. And I think the most disturbing thing about this float is that it's animatronic, meaning that it moves to do the iconic Ronaldo celebration with his arms uh, spread out. It's just going to be a no for me, man. It just creeps me out too much. Going from really weird tributes to just flat out awesome tributes, uh, Galatasaray. They decided for their match, since you know fans still aren't allowed to have all the cardboard cutouts, uh, of all their fans that you know wanted one to be put in the stands, but a special one they had was dedicated to Kobe Bryant. It was a, a cutout of him. He was a Galatasaray fan. Just seeing that kind of gave me chills. You know, even this far removed from that tragedy. Any way you guys can honor twenty four is just it's great. I think it's worth mentioning for those who don't know this side of Kobe Bryant. He was a huge soccer fan and very uh, big into the Italian soccer community, actually. Yeah, grew up in Italy. Uh, just been around soccer his whole life while playing basketball. I always thought it was interesting because Galatasaray is a Turkish soccer club. You know, he was a fan of them as well. You know, he's been known to go to their matches. So, again, uh, just another nice way to honor him for, you know, one of his favorite teams. So that was around the net from this week. So again, uh, send some things on our radar. If you ever find something that you want us to discuss on the podcast, feel free to message us on our Twitter and Instagram. Happy to take a look at anything you guys send us. We love the FTFC gang out there. You know, Make sure that you uh, proudly support the First Touch Football Club and be an active member here. So let's switch gears over to, again, something that uh, is a bit more fun for someone such as yourself, Tyler, but I enjoy listening to it, and I do uh, understand the appeal, and it is the world of sports betting. So let's talk a little bit about yeah. that. So how, were, how, was, how was everything last week for you? It's been a wild week as far as outside of the two picks. We'll talk about those first, you know. Close last week, Tottenham, you know, we had them as against the spread, which was just even, so the fact that there was a draw, um, nothing there, just get the money back. The Leicester one was frustrating. They were a half-goal favorite. 
went up in the 90th minute and then just blew it in that 93rd minute. So 0-1 and 1 on the first FTFC betting picks. Other than that, got really into betting corner kicks because been so removed from gambling that, you know, just need something to feel alive. Uh, (laughs) That was pretty interesting betting the number of corners in matches. But, you know, all in all, it wasn't a bad week. Looking forward to next week. I'm only going to do one pick this week. The one that really stood out to me, Wolverhampton is only a half goal favorite against Aston Villa. Wolverhampton just looked sharp as hell this weekend. Triori didn't even start, came out guns blazing, looked phenomenal, uh, helps contribute to both goals, assisted on the first one. It was just a key component of the drive toward the second. So, you know, Wolves look kind of scary right now. Uh, Villa, you know, not so much. Uh, I think this is an easy win for Wolverhampton. Give me them against the spread. I'm feeling confident getting that first official FTFC win uh, for the listeners. So basically, Wolves just have to score one goal or win by one goal for this to be a successful bet. Yeah, give me a 2-0, 2-1 victory. I think they do this pretty solidly. Yeah, I'm excited for this match. I think it's going to be a good, uh, a good uh, competitive uh, bet. Moving on to our favorite segment, always a great way to close things out. Pub of the Week, just a great way for us to engage with our American fans, even if some of these places aren't open for the matches in full. It's just awesome giving them a shout-out. Nate, who do we have this week? So we have a shout-out from member of the FTFC, uh, Carl. He's shouting out the Globe Pub here in Chicago. It's located at 1934 West Irving Park Road. It's on the north side of Chicago as well. That sounds a lot like my man Kale goes by Carl at the pub. Bartender over there. I've been over there plenty of times. I've, I know it's an Arsenal bar, Nate, so it may not be your favorite spot in Chicago. Uh, but it's just a, it's a good place, man. It's, it's quite big. Uh, a lot of good bartenders there. I've gotten a chance to know a few of them. It's a true soccer pub through and through. That's what they definitely pride themselves on. I don't feel at home there being a Tottenham fan in an Arsenal bar. But at the end of the day, if you just want to be in a cool environment, it is a great place to be. Uh, a lot of good food, good beer, a lot of stuff on tap that they have. And you can watch any game from any league in that establishment. They are always going to be showing soccer there. Absolutely. So congrats to the Globe. Uh, for our listeners, next time you're there, find Carl. Tell him that First Touch sent you. I'm sure they'll be happy to have you. Nate, what else you got today? That's going to be all from me, my friend. And, uh, you know, miss you. Wish you were uh, back in the apartment, but I'm glad you're staying safe. And uh, got a couple of fun uh, guests lined up for us in the uh, coming weeks. So definitely stay tuned for upcoming episodes. And we also have the special Tyler's birthday celebration episode coming up in the coming weeks. Um, We are not going to do anything. We are not going to do anything (laughs) involving my birthday for that episode. It is going to be, I'm an old man now. So, you know, these birthdays aren't exciting and I don't think our listeners want to spend time hearing about my birthday, but you know, let's just, let's keep it to soccer. That'll be a great (laughs) way to celebrate in my opinion. So with that, uh, we're going to sign off here as we always do. There's no room for racism.